Good morning, Ridgeway Church. Uh, as you can see this morning, uh, as we conclude, we're going to share the Lord's table together. And uh, so be prepared. Uh, you might wanna get up here uh, now as we begin and, and make sure you're ready to share it with, uh, you, whether you're alone or with a friend or with your family members, your children. We're excited about that as we conclude this morning. We always do this on the first Sunday of the month. And uh, we call this, uh, no, we don't call it virtual communion, but it kind of is. Uh, so last week we looked at Paul's uh, beautiful letter to the Philippians and uh, this amazing prayer that he prayed over them and just his, his love and appreciation for them. I want to pick up again from this, uh, from this letter that Paul wrote. And what's interesting is, and, and by the way, I think that something that we can draw from this morning is, is literally finding not only peace, but joy uh, amidst the storm. Uh, because this is what Paul was encountering. Paul was dealing with pain, both physical probably and emotional. Uh, he is dealing with people that were probably irritating him, and uh, we'll see here in a minute, and uncooperative, and he was dealing with pressures, uh, and uh, probably external as well as internal, and, and all sorts of problems. Uh, and uh, the reason I'm saying that, and pretty sure of that, is because Paul, the writing of this letter, is in a Roman prison. Uh, prior to that, he'd spent two years in prison in Caesarea, uh, which is just uh, north of uh, modern-day Tel Aviv in Israel. Uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. And then uh, he was released and he was sent by ship to Rome to stand trial there, but his ship was wrecked. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then he's on a desert isle. He got bit by a snake, I know, there, as I remember the book of Acts uh, uh, recording. And then he arrives at Rome and he's imprisoned again, uh, many believe, for at least two years. And at this point, potentially under 24-hour guard. So Paul uh, is... Uh, if, he had, if anyone ever had a reason to be bitter or discouraged or unhappy or depressed or distressed, it was the Apostle Paul. But instead, he wrote this beautiful, joy-filled letter to the Philippians. It's amazing. And uh, there's a key verse that says this, that we'll see this, uh, this morning. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. Wow. Whatever happens. All kinds of things are happening around Paul. And uh and he's, he's got, uh, I'll just say this, he's discovered joy uh, in the middle of his storm. And I think there's some things that we can draw and learn from Paul's life and his experience uh, that, that can give us joy during this time uh, as well. Uh, and the first thing I think we could see is that uh, we, to, to establish that joy, it, we need to get God's perspective. Happy people, it said, are uh, people with a larger view of things, a larger perspective. They see the bigger the bigger picture. Uh, and it's not uncommon when things don't go the way we think they're supposed to go, that we get discouraged, unhappy. Uh, we, we maybe don't see what God's doing. Uh, we, don't, we doubt whether God's working on our behalf. Be assured God is working. He's got a plan for our lives. He's got a plan for his church right now during this season. And way back almost 2,000 years ago, Paul understood this. He said, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Man, that everything he says that's happened to me has helped me to spread the good news. Now, Paul wanted to go to Rome. He could have probably been released. In fact, the Bible says that, records that, that he was really close to being a free man, but he wanted to go to Rome. Uh, he, he had a, a heart to go uh, to the center of the empire, and uh, probably 
he thought maybe he could, I'm just trying to get inside his mind. He probably thought that he'd go, he'd stand trial, probably be released after a time, and maybe maybe have a great outdoor service in the Coliseum. Uh, you know, when you think of somebody who wants to be successful, oftentimes they'll, they'll want to go to one of the major cities in our world, like maybe London or Paris, or of course here in New York City. I'm going to New York, I'm going to become rich and famous. Uh, Rome at the time of Paul was the center of the universe. It was the center of political activity, the center of, of, of power, the center of, of the financial world. And uh, Paul is there, but we're, we're not sure what his plan was. We know what God's plan was, and that was for him to be a prisoner. And, uh, uh, and uh, a royal prisoner. Nero was Caesar at that time. He was the emperor, and, and Paul is imprisoned. Um, now, as a royal prisoner, Paul makes it clear there are these amazing opportunities to share Christ with uh, with many key people. Again, he's potentially chained to a, a palace guard. Some believe around the clock. Uh, we you know we think of the difficulty we're having right now if we're self quarantining or uh, or whatever and how tough that is. Think of Paul's condition. Think of how discouraging it must have been for him potentially when we just get discouraged when our our world seems to have, uh, have changed so, so rapidly this spring. Uh, Paul uh, discovered that by getting a, a clear perspective, or I should say getting God's perspective, that, uh, that things were, uh, his joy wouldn't be taken and that he was literally, he, he rejoiced in the whole thing. Now, a couple of amazing things happened. Uh, first of all, uh, some of Caesar's household became Christ followers because of Paul's incarceration. In fact, in, in the end of the letter, Paul writes this. He says, just as he's concluding this brief letter, he says, all God's people here send, they send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now, this likely wasn't his family members. It was more likely soldiers and servants, maybe slaves of Nero, who is the, the emperor, and Paul is saying that they're bringing greetings because they have come to Christ. How Think for a second how amazing that is. This good news, the gospel means good news, this good news of Jesus Christ has now spread from the hills of Judea and the shores of Galilee all the way to the very household of the most powerful person on the planet. In a matter of 30 years, many believe. That is impressive. That is God doing his work through Paul uh, and, and God's perspective being made real uh, in, in, in our history. Uh, and another thing I think is amazing is Paul was forced, because he was in prison, to sit down and to sit still. Uh, instead of running from church to church and planting churches, he was forced to rest and, and enchained, uh, uh, and uh, and it's we know for sure it's in this time that he wrote this letter to the Philippian church and potentially some other letters as well that which we now have in the New Testament. So a couple of weeks ago, I had on my my sweatshirt that had a Nike swoosh, and I was kind of joking that Nike was sponsoring my sermon. Well, I think they they aren't, they don't. But the funny thing, I or I think I, the amusing thing is, is here's Nero who ultimately would um, would 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 uh, how should I say it? Just uh, uh, extend and uh, and release a terrible persecution upon the church, the, the Christians there in Rome. But prior to this, Paul's in chains and he's basically sponsoring the writing of the New Testament. 
If you think of it that way, Paul's writing an amazing letter that becomes a part of our New Testament, and he's uh, under house arrest, and uh, he's being cared for uh, and being fed by uh, by by Nero. So uh, those are a couple amazing things. Uh, and now, I want you just to take a second here, and, and I want you to think of a problem that you might be facing right where you're at, okay? Think of it. Is there, what is it right now where you just say, man, that that is, I'm really up against a wall, I'm really experiencing something very difficult, it's a problem, and, and I want you to bow your head, I just wanna pray a prayer for you real quick, okay? Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, help us today see this whole thing that we're going through, each of us individually, whatever it is, Lord, from your perspective. Lord, help us to see from your perspective and help us to see the problem that we're encountering not right now with eyes of faith. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. I just I just wanted to do that, okay? Now, anytime I face my problems and you face your problems, when we when we stand in faith and we we uh we rest in Christ, so to speak, uh, two things can happen. First of all, we become an example, and I'm just taking this from Paul's life, and I think we can apply this to our own faith and our own journey, but uh, we become an example to unbelievers. Um, unbelievers, those who have yet to uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to encounter his great grace and his love. Uh, Paul says, for everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So here's the servants, and as we see later in the, in, in, the, in the letter, some became followers of Jesus Christ, but Paul is this amazing example to those who uh, have yet to follow Jesus Christ. And also, uh, we become encouragement to believers, those who are currently following Jesus Christ. Paul says, and because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Isn't that amazing? So uh, let's not take lightly. God's perspective is not our perspective. God sees things that we don't see. God's ways are not our ways. And he can take a difficult thing, even chains, and uh, even, even a COVID-19, he can take whatever our problem is and he can use it for his glory and, and use our lives as a beautiful example of, uh, of, of life and love and, and, and a witness. So uh, we can find joy in the storm when we see God's perspective. Also, we, we can find joy in this storm when we ignore the naysayers. Uh, life is surrounded by negative people who uh, are just uh, opposing us. Paul seemed to be attacked in his ministry from those who wanted to slander him and, and criticize him, those uh, who competed maybe uh, against him, as we'll see here in a moment, and those who even undermined his, his, his efforts to preach Christ and tried to destroy him. In fact, here's what we can see. Paul had, of course, his companions, those who, who, who loved him and stood with him, but also he had these critical killjoys. And, and these guys, critics, competitors, conspirators, uh, here's what the scriptures say. And I read this from the Amplified Version. Some, it is true, are actually preaching Christ out of, out of envy and rivalry toward me for no better reason than a competitive spirit or misguided ambition. And they preach Christ insincerely 
out of selfish ambition, just self-promotion, thinking that they are causing me distress in my imprisonment. So look at these critics motivated probably by envy or jealousy. And, and you know what? Criticism can just suck the life right out of us. It can, it can remove the joy from us because all of us want to be loved. We want to be liked by other people. And in Paul's day, there were those who were driven by ego and they were their effort was to put Paul down so that they could look better. And these, and in his day as well as our day, critics can rob us of our happiness if we if we if we allow this to happen. And there's going to be these critics. But uh, just for your information, we don't need the approval of others to be happy. I want you to hear that this morning. We don't need the approval of others uh, to be happy. So uh, uh, you know, think about that. Paul had his friends, of course. He had companions. Uh, he would write others out of goodwill and a loyal spirit towards me. Um, the, the latter preach Christ out of love because they know that I've been put here uh, by God on purpose for the defense of the gospel. So he had those that surrounded him that were with him and praying for him, but he had also those who were against him while in prison. I mean, that's like kicking kicking the, the person when he's down. And, uh, and you're going to have... You're going to have the critics and the conspirators and these people in your own life. You're going to have those who walk with you. Just be encouraged. Don't let them rob you of your joy, okay? I love Paul's attitude. He says, but what does it matter? You know, those that are trying to those that are trying to oppose him in all these ways and criticize him, he says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, Paul's happy. I rejoice, he says. I rejoice. Uh, Paul explains why you can be happy no matter what. Uh, and he says this, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this fight together. You've seen me suffer for him in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of a great struggle. So Paul's saying to suffer for the Lord is a privilege. It's a privilege to suffer for him. So that's where his priorities were. It, he's saying it's a privilege to suffer when you're doing the right thing. And when we obey Christ, when we represent Christ, when we reflect Christ, I saw something this week where it's talking about how, how we as Christ followers, what reflect means. It's, it's not just a mirror, but it's a mirror with an angle that when we take Christ in, when we breathe in of the Spirit of God, when we, when we live for Jesus and we encounter him through his word and through prayer and through relationships, that it's a, it's, it's a reflective mirror with an angle to it so it hits us and it reflects out into the world around us. That's, that's, it. that's really what Paul's life was. His life, even in chains, was a reflection to those around him. And uh, uh, so... It is a privilege to suffer when, you, when we're doing the right thing. So we can find joy in the storm when we get God's perspective. We can find joy when we ignore the naysayers. And, and, and thirdly, uh, we can find this joy amidst the storm when we trust God for the outcome. This is when faith becomes our focus. When, when faith in Christ becomes our focus. When the walk of faith is what, what we're focusing on. Paul says, I will continue to rejoice for I know that as you pray for me, as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, all that's happened will all turn out for my deliverance. Again, this is a man in chains, all right? He's saying, I have God's perspective on my problem. He says, for I know. He says, I have people praying for me. He says, I have the Holy Spirit helping me. 
says, I have faith that God will work it for the good. And then he starts that phrase that I just read with, I will continue to rejoice. I will choose to be happy. My choice is rejoice, is what Paul said. And that can be our choice as well, because we can get God's perspective. People pray for us. We can pray for ourselves. We have the power of the Holy Spirit of God filling our lives and leading us. And we have faith that God's gonna work it all out for his good. We can choose to be happy. It's a choice that we make. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 57, seven. He said, my heart is fixed, O God. I will sing and give praise. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is steadfast. My heart is fixed. It repeats that. I will. That's a that's a, 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 a part of your volition. It's, it's a decision we make, you know, to, 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 to sing and to, to walk in faith and to give our hearts and fix our hearts on God. I love that, that, that verse in the psalm, Psalm 57, 7. Finally, uh, last point, we find joy in the storm when we stay on purpose. When we stay on purpose. Again, picture Paul. He's in prison. He's getting old. He's, his body's broken. There's places in, the gospel, or in, the, in his letters where he talks about all the, the beatings and all the trials and tribulations he's gone for. Now he's, he's in chains in Rome. Things probably aren't working out how they thought they were supposed to, but He's catching God's perspective and he's living in the moment and uh, he's serving He's serving God. And you know, it's interesting, Paul's purpose was not just living or he wasn't just living to die. Uh, in fact, look at this, I want you to see this. Uh, Paul's purpose was to serve God and to serve others. It was to serve God and to serve others. See, they, they, they've taken everything from him, his freedom, his friends, his ministry, even his privacy, aren't the happiest, they wouldn't be the happiest of times, but Paul is still fully serving God and serving others. He says this, if by continuing to live, I can do more worthwhile work for Christ, then I'm not sure which I should choose. I am pulled in two directions. I want very much to leave this world and to be with Christ which is far better thing, a far better, better thing. But for your sake, he's, he's, he's writing to the, the church at Philippi, for your sake, it is much more important that I remain alive. I'm sure of this, so I know that I will stay on with all of you so I can add to your progress and joy in the faith. So Paul's, Paul's torn. Boy, he'd love to just... He'd love to go into the, he, he, he believed that much in Christ and, the, and he's experienced that much in the presence of the Lord that he knows that, to, he says in one place, to live is Christ, to, to die is gain, which you'll see in a second. But he also said uh, uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Paul was ready to encounter Christ face to face. But he's, he's giving that up in order to serve God more and to serve others. Now, of course, after he dies, he'll be with God. But Paul is saying, I stay alive for the sake of others. So again, Paul sums up his purpose. I said this, but he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. How would you fill in that blank? How would you fill in that blank this morning? For me to live is blank. Well, is it entertainment? For me to live is money? For me to live is success or status? or possessions, is for me to live is pleasure, for me to live is position. Uh, how, how have we or how are we filling in that blank in our lives? I would say this, how we fill in that blank will determine where our joy comes from. The secret to happiness is not self-gratification. 
It's self-sacrifice. Joy comes from, from serving. Joy comes from service, giving your life away. And Paul understood this. He recognized this. And the reason he lived such a joy-filled life, even amidst incredible difficult conditions, was because he focused on his purpose, not his problems. And he said, for me to live is Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you right now. Uh, and I want to say this. If, if you're, we're talking about finding joy in the storm, but I want to ask if, if, if you're there and you're watching uh, today and you're maybe just searching, not maybe for just joy, but maybe you're, you're searching for peace, that you just feel like your, your life is just unraveling and, uh, and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to think about this morning surrendering your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. It's a real simple process. I'm going to pray here in a moment, but it has this simple process has profound results. Uh, it's so simple that a child can surrender to Jesus uh, or, or a senior uh, on their deathbed and everybody in between. Uh, but the profound result is that you're inviting the living God into your life. You're inviting Jesus Christ to take control of your life. You're, 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 you're being ready to be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Real peace begins with surrender to the Lord Jesus. So I just want to pray right now for you. If you just, uh, wherever you're at, just maybe bow your heads and, and, and I want to pray. And uh, I'm going to just lead you, Lord Jesus, I give you my life today. Lord, I, I confess that, that in my in my strength, I'm very weak, and I, I need you. I need peace, I need healing, and I need forgiveness. Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm broken, and I need you to come and restore me and to forgive me and to heal my brokenness. Lord Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. I give you my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me today, Lord. Take my life. It's yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It doesn't have to be a, a sophisticated prayer. It's a heart cry. And I trust that if you're in a place today where, where your, your distress and your lack of peace is because uh, you're recognizing that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, uh, that that's what you did there. And uh, feel free to reach out to us. Um, there's email here, usually at the close of the service, we can get you some information. And even though we're, uh, we're functioning at a distance, we would love to connect with you and welcome you into, into the, the, the body of Christ. Amen. Now, let me just, one more prayer. I just want to pray over all of us today. And that's this, uh, as we look at just uh, the, the, the scriptures this morning. Uh, and that is, I want to pray for joy within our storms, within your storms. So Heavenly Father, please give us your perspective today. Lord, we, we may feel restless and we may not see uh, what's around the corner, but you have the bigger view and we rest in your perspective. Lord, give us strength to ignore the, the negative noises around us, whether it's people or the news or whatever, Lord. Give us faith to trust you for the outcome and the patience to stay focused on our purpose, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, to love you, God, and to serve others. 
Lord, we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. We call this the table of the Lord, the bread and the cup. Uh, some denominations call it Holy Communion. Uh, some would call it the Eucharist. It's the same. It's remembering what Christ did for us at the cross. I like the table of the Lord because when I think of the table, I think of nourishment. Um, when you're hungry and you haven't eaten, you need to get nourishment. And we sit at the table and we receive nourishment for our physical bodies. And this morning, I want you to understand that as we receive the, 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 the bread that represents Christ's body, and the cup and the wine, which represents his blood that was shed for us, that there's spiritual nourishment that penetrates many areas of our lives today. I, I believe it's more than a memory today. I believe that Christ wants to be with us as we meet as families, individuals, and friends, that as we meet, as we take of this, that Jesus Christ comes into our present place and brings us wholeness. He brings us hope. He may bring us healing. I don't know what you're hungry for today. I don't know how you need to be nourished, but please understand that the table is open. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, come to the table this morning. There's provision. There's provision to you. We believe Christ is present again in this moment. Uh, how do we prepare ourselves for this? Uh, I was thinking as maybe when we were children, before we came to the table, your parents would say, wash your hands, right? Wash your hands before dinner. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he essentially says, wash your hearts before you take of the bread and the, and, and the cup. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So this morning, just before we receive of this, uh, examine your hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any sinful attitude or behavior that you may have been recently entertaining in your life and just repent. Repent, it's such a, a scary word, but all it means is just taking what we have that we know it doesn't need to be there and we lay it at the feet of Jesus. It's like taking a weight off of our shoulders. We say, Lord, forgive me. And Apostle Paul was, was, was giving clear direction Take time to prepare yourself before you partake of the, the, the cup, the bread and the cup. So let's, let's just do that for just a minute. Lord Jesus, we just prepare our hearts right now. Lord, cleanse us, purify us, our motives, our actions, our deeds, our attitudes, our conversation. Lord, we ask you right now to come and to forgive us of any, any sin in our lives, Lord, and cleanse us, cleanse us, we pray, Lord Jesus. We want to be prepared in this moment, Lord. Amen, amen. The Apostle Paul wrote this, he said, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's prepare to receive communion together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for introducing a new covenant, introducing your kingdom to this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for the, your brokenness. 
It's by your stripes that we are healed, the prophet said. And Jesus, thank you for your healing today. Thank you for your blood that was shed. Thank you that the life of the animal is in the blood. The Old Testament says that. And Jesus, as the, as the Lamb of God, who was slain from the foundation of the earth, we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross for us, that it gives us life, it gives us hope. Jesus, visit us now in this moment. Lord, sustain us, nourish us, even as we partake. In your name we pray, amen. Let's partake together.